w- one day I'd like to compile just all of our sound checks. And just like <laughs> check, check, beep, beep, boop, check, check, beep. Yeah, boop, we can boop, make a really beat. <laughs> um, all right, ready? Yeah, I think that's a good start to the episode. <laughs> okay, well, happy <laughs> happy Sunday, Cam. How's it going? Um, good. Yeah, happy Sunday. Um, yes. <laughs> any uh, any weekend news to report, or kind of same old in lockdown? Same old in lockdown, I think. Yeah, not not a ton going on here. Tried to drill holes into our wall yesterday to mm-hmm. hang shelves. Every wall is concrete, and our drill is like this tiny drill. So Aww. that's you know, I was like, I drilled one hole, <laughs> the battery died. I was so mad. I was just like, I get so mad when I try to drill into these walls. Um, Do you have like uh, the proper drill bit for concrete? I do have a concrete bit, but this thing is like, you know, you should really have like a powerful drill for for doing that well. So, Well, if you have any desire to come over to the East End, I have, we have two drills. uh, Both I think are powerful enough. So you're welcome to one for a while. Yeah, I've been thinking about just buying a, a better drill yeah. now because we, I don't know, I like got all up in a heated fluster like, ah, I'm not doing this. And like I was all mad. And then, yep. you know, Gabby was like, fine, we'll hire someone and then that's going to be expensive. I was like, well, <clears throat> maybe we just need like a good drill, you know, <coughs> excuse me, I'm dying over here. A no good worries. drill to like actually do this job. So maybe we'll yeah. do that. I don't know. We'll see. I hate this stuff. I, yeah. I am not a handyman. I am just a person, regular like, old man. Yeah, I, I empathize. I've I've many a times been in the the depth of frustration with different construction projects, but I actually I really do enjoy it. We did some like health health shanging. Oh my gosh, shelf hanging <laughs> recently. Um, which is like simple, but yeah, I, I I enjoy it. It's never perfect though. I'm I'm not enough of a perfectionist uh to probably be doing these kinds of things. Um one other I guess weekend thing, Gabby and I cuz we've been locked at home for ever. Um we just kind of like pull out the like <laughs> all our we have this pull out couch and so we never really take advantage of that, but we just like now on the weekends we'll pull it out almost every weekend and like set it up with like comfy pillows everywhere and like watch a movie or something and just have That's like nice. a kind of like nice home theater situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, which has been just a nice little change. It's like a little date night kind of thing. So yeah, I did the like one time we had a movie night and I actually ordered from Cineplex just to make it more like a movie night, but like highly don't recommend because like the, <laughs> the price point is just like absolutely not worth it. But movie theater popcorn been a bit different. So kind of worth it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, worth it to do one time anyways. Yeah, for sure. Um, I watched Blade Runner, the, new one i guess it's four years or five years old but um a couple of things to note on that is like there's a paragraph that shows at the start that is apparently very key it explains all this stuff and we did not read that (laughs) um i also think it really helps to have seen the first blade runner because i spent this whole movie wondering what the hell is going on um until the very end and then i think i kind of clicked in a bit um (laughs) Yeah, really just want to recommend that for anyone who is in the odd situation that they're about to watch Blade Runner, the new one from five years ago released, (laughs) 
<laughs> but hasn't seen the original one and might not see the opening credits. Uh, just, like, just don't do that. Yeah, don't watch the new old one unless you watch the old, old one, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. How about you? How's your weekend going? <laughs> um, well, in terms of projects, uh, Diego bought like a modification kit for one of his PS4 controllers. Anyone listening who actually knows anything about PlayStation and controllers, like, forgive me, I know nothing about it, but I like electronics projects. So he bought this like modification kit, I think primarily to entertain me. And because like he was like, well, if it turns out, I'll have a better controller because you basically like remap all of these buttons from the front to like buttons on the back but oh yeah i've heard of that from him <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah fair enough and um we, we we like not too long ago i think it was like we repaired his switch and i always like used to kind of repair my phones as i broke them so i enjoy that kind of stuff but as we opened up this package it turns out it required a soldering iron so we had to go obtain that yesterday and then today i'm gonna see if i can uh do this little project which which should be fun um soldering irons like they come in handy every like x number of years when you have these types of projects like i used to have one no idea where it is but like it's definitely come up where i'm like ah that would be really great to have right now but yeah totally and like i used i feel like i used to solder like random things that probably didn't need to be soldered when i was young simply because there was a soldering iron at my parents house and i would just mess around with tools um but so then yesterday i was trying to figure out like what do I actually need for electronic soldering and how do I do it and watch videos? So that was fun. Um, and then aside from that, we went to bogganing, which was also hilarious. I um, Actually, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. That yeah. looked uh, quite fun. It looked like there was like almost <laughs> enough snow to go tobogganing. <laughs> yeah, it was like a lot of dirt. Uh, looked like quite at the top bumpy. of the hill. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Um we had meant to go earlier this week when it actually snowed, but I was just like in a mood. So I didn't feel like going, but um, it was still enough. Like it was just mostly ice, I guess, but it was funny. We were the only adults on the hill, um, but it was still funny. <laughs> That's good. Oh, I guess man. like you only go maybe, you know, five or so times and then, you know, it's, it's run its course, but it's fun going down. I forgot how much fun sledding is. I want to go to like a bigger hill now. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, I would definitely do that. Um, all right. If there's Bring your snow, toboggan. We'll set a date. I, I don't have one, but I'm, I'll am i acquire one. Sounds good. I'll consigue one. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Spanish pro. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I honestly, I, I uh, as I kept thinking towards this podcast, I was like, you should you should do some more things. So, you, you have things to talk about. But uh, I didn't do a lot of things. So, I feel like this week will definitely be a, a cam special because I don't have too much to contribute i've been going pretty hard just on uh my my day job but um yeah i'm curious to hear everything you've been up to uh all right i can yeah i can start us off um let's see on the personal side i've been kind of like getting into this whole productivity like improvements bit uh i don't know i think it started with this podcast episode of syntax fm that was kind of like talking about keyboard shortcuts and like different apps and things like that. And, um, and so I've been like, <laughs> been spending too much time trying to save myself time on things. But I know that like in the long run, it's like going to help a lot. But in yeah. the short term, like I've been doing things like remapping my keyboard uh, shortcuts and like, so what I'm used to 
is like my brain is broken, you know, and I'm trying to do simple things like left arrow, right arrow. They're not there anymore. And I'm like, you know, totally <laughs> broken. Um, but hopefully eventually I'll like become a whole person again. Um, so I've been working on that. I also bought a new keyboard, like a split ergonomic keyboard. Oh, cool. Um, finally got into that mechanical, uh, mechanical keyboard crew, yeah. which I never really was interested in until quite recently. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, Is there anything that brought you down that hole? Usually once people get into it, it's a, it's a deep one. Oh, I know. Honestly, like it took me like a month to decide on what like what keyboard even to get. Mm-hmm. I think what what led me down this is like I started touch typing um, around Christmas time. I started right. learning how to touch type. And that's been interesting because I'm not very like I'm not used to that. And what I've found was like the keys just don't make <laughs> a lot of sense in how they're laid out to me. Um and so the keyboard that I got is they call it like ortho linear or something like that, where the keys like are directly above and below. Like mm. I never really understood why they were staggered, but apparently it's just from typewriter days. Right. Um, that's the main reason. And so it's kind of this like leftover, um, you know, that people have just gotten used to. But like my brain, when I'm looking for different keys, doesn't work well to just be like, up and a little bit to the left but then on the other hand it's like you kind of are going the opposite way i guess people who do this all the time or were typing for years like it's natural but for me it's not so i figured i'd try out something that's more hopefully more natural with this keyboard um so we'll see how that goes (laughs) um and then yeah, so that's kind of just random stuff. I'm doing like little things, little apps and programs like Alfred, this like way to find apps and launch apps and, you know, keyboard remapping and things like that. Just maybe five, 10 minutes a day, like on something like that. And then uh, same with like spending some time on learning how to type uh, properly. So yeah. these things that will kind of play over the long term. I'm actually surprised I've been sticking with the typing thing at all. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also I'm also so curious with the typing because I know you described yourself as like a, I don't know what's it called, like a hunt and pet. Oh, yeah, type. that but is, is that, the term. Yeah, but that seems like far too extreme for the type of typing you were doing. It's not like you were like looking at your keyboard for a letter, right? Or was it like how well, extreme? <laughs> I think I knew I know where most of the keys are by feel, but I yeah. would only really use like two right. fingers. Right. Okay. So like and I, I've recognized now that I do have my hand like resting in certain like positions like usually it's it's resting on like command tab so i can switch between programs quickly or and the arrow keys or whatever but now i'm trying to get used to like resting them on the home row and realizing all these other issues that comes from that like i can't find where the arrow keys are and like switching so i've been trying to like i don't know yeah but yeah i feel like there should be different levels like Hunt and peck, and then raptor typing which is where people just use their middle fingers and their their index fingers because i feel like that's what so many people do and then touch typing i definitely though would look at the keyboard more often than now like way more often and so i am realizing like it kind of does help especially when i'm actually like i've been writing some posts like blog posts type of things lately and like it really does help you to just like get in the flow of like not having to look down and and but awesome but when i miss keys it's really frustrating so yeah yeah. okay moving on um (laughs) 
<laughs> I launched the demo on the marketing site. I think last time that we talked, I was probably just getting ready to ship that. And, you know, fi- I put that out and, you know, didn't like I basically just went and messaged anyone who was like waiting on that or expressed interest on on the product. And so, you know, it was all like good feedback from those who did reply. Um, mm-hmm. I am realizing that like a lot of people are just busy too. And so like, you know, it's it's not like everyone's just sitting around waiting for my product. Like, oh my gosh, like I got to yeah. go and jump on this now. It's, you know, so it's it's a lot harder than maybe you think to get those initial users. Like, um, and this isn't even really a user. It's just someone who can like start to see what the value would be. Right. But then the immediate next question that some of these people ask are like, how easy is it to build one of these? I'm like, it's impossible because yeah. you don't have a tool for that yet. So, right. <laughs> so that's what I've been working on now. Is, but I wanted to just get that out there, get that on the site so I can point people and show them like, what is the product going to be? And now it's mm-hmm. a lot more clear because some people were kind of thinking, oh, it's videos to onboard your users or like they just, it wasn't super clear. So sometimes right. like just, seeing it is the best way to experience it. Yeah. And so right now then basically you are going to be working on building the UI that essentially executes all the functionality that you've built out for, let's say the tour. Yeah. Like the, what I'm working on is kind of where my customer go and log in and create an account and, um, and then create a tour um, Mm -hmm. through. um, So the, the long-term plan of this is that it would actually overlay on their app and they're building the tour by pointing and clicking around on the things and saying like, you know, I want them to click this button. Right. And it should do this. And, or like, I want to highlight this feature. So, so, you know, but the point is it would be in their application, Mm -hmm. but for trying to get an MVP out the door, I'm really just going to make like a form inside of my own application that is so it's going to like create the the tours in there and it will be not as great of a building experience Mm -hmm. for the you know for my customer but for the end user their customers like it will still be a gorgeous tour experience and what this will allow me to do is like see where the whole paradigm breaks down for people trying to build tours when they actually like go in there and like start adding I don't know, steps. It's like, oh, but how do I make it go to the next page? Or how do I make them like, you know, if the button or if the next thing I want to show them is hidden behind a menu, how do Mm -hmm. I do that? And so it will present a lot of those kind of challenges that allows me to like make this simple, um, like release quickly with a simple UI first. And then I'll add those, those, um, yeah, I guess that functionality in. Um, and then once I'm kind of confident in the abstraction that I've taken, then I can bring it over to this kind of build in, in the, uh, in my customer's UI, like cool. as a shell layer on yeah. top of it. Um, yeah. And most of that is just for the sake of trying to launch quickly. Um, I think it will be not great for some users. Like they won't want to build tours like that. Um, mm. but that's why I'm kind of just trying to pilot this with some people who are like willing to get their hands a bit dirty. Um, and then over the coming months, like work to improve that. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So that's coming along pretty well. I have it like you can log in, create an account. Um, I updated like I'm on, I'm using this 
framework called Blitz and it's still quite early. So I upgraded it to the latest version, got that working. And then uh, I have a form where you can add and uh, like add tours, update tours and add all the steps in a tour, delete a step, add a step in between all this stuff mm-hmm. and, and then delete tours. And so um, like just on Friday, I put in like this really long day, like I kind of <laughs> like, because I was just so motivated to like get to this point of being able to build a tour and then use it. Yeah. Um, so I got to that point where I can build it in this form and then in my demo app on my on the Hopscotch website, mm-hmm. I have managed to like call that endpoint that I've created, like call that API cool. and now pull that data in. And it's still very sketchy but that's kind of where I left it off and so now I'm going to like work to improve make that form look at least half decent and make the experience a little more seamless and work on some of the next steps now so and so in terms of the form are people basically providing just elements on their page and then descriptions of what should show up in the tour or how do how do people actually do that yeah and that's why it's like super not ideal for some people because you'll need to know like the CSS selector and like the recommended practice that I'll that I'll say is kind of like go and add an ID or a data attributes because those are unique mm-hmm. for that right. element so that you can go and um, you know target that element because otherwise you're using nested CSS selectors and all that can break pretty easily. Um, yeah. Actually, that's going to be one of the longer term like or bigger challenges for. I, I can see it already is like making sure people don't build tours that have el- like these kind of elements that are ephemeral or like might not be there, you know? Yeah. And, and so the next time their customer goes that that element has disappeared and the tour breaks. So part of what I'm thinking on is building these like alerts for broken tours and stuff, but also yeah. a best practice recommending them to use IDs and attributes, data right. attributes. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like when people are, Adding, changing um, analytics on their website and how they have that to have too. all all yeah. of their IDs and everything like correct. And you often have developers going in and changing things or adding things to make sure that it shows up correctly in people's analytics. I feel like it's the it's a similar like it's a similar struggle. You're absolutely right. It's like so much of what I like the work that I I mean we used to work with someone on on this type of stuff, and so I was building in those attributes and and yeah, we would run into a lot of those challenges. It, it's yeah. also like kind of that problem. I thought you were going to go down the path of like data scraping for websites, right? Like because you're kind of like trying to target these um, elements and you're probably trying to grab the most consistently available items and then building in like checks for if those are um, going to be there or not. And so, yeah, that's why it's always much preferable to scrape via people's APIs if they have oh, them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not everyone does. So, yes, it's a struggle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. It's um, one of the hard parts of building a company on someone else's app is like I, I'm kind of I'm slightly constrained by what they do. So all I can do is try to educate them on like what the best practice would be. And I yeah. could actually enforce like we only use IDs or we could only use this attribute. Um, and but I think I'll land somewhere in between where like eventually I'll have kind of like when you're building a tour, it will show like red yellow green or something of how good this attribute is for for building on top of um but you know it'll take some time to get there awesome yeah 
um contract work is just chugging along um you know i like this kind of like two and a half days on uh two and a half days of doing my own thing or more like i'll usually spend saturday or sunday like doing some stuff too um and the work is like very much related to what i'm doing here which is just serendipitous but mm-hmm. um i don't know if the contract's going to continue after february which i would be okay with kind of yeah. taking a break off that and just like focusing on on trying to launch this build it out and and get to a place where where it's um i don't know where it's in customers hands and being used or i can know if this is something i should keep moving forward and before sinking like six months or a year into this i want to you know get to that point as quick as i can um and then yeah other than that i think it's oh yeah i was on a a podcast this week as a guest oh tell me more product journey podcast um which is like another kind of update style podcast like this with Mm -hmm. uh one guy in germany named ben he's working on a couple different apps and then another guy named Noah and he is working on kind of like, actually he's building this app called potion, which is like similar to super on top of no, how it's built a kind of website on top of notion. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I've, I've landed on that site somehow uh, recently. <laughs> nice. It's funny because Ben is building this app that is, in the same space as what hopscotch is what i'm building where it's like you know kind of like augmenting your user onboarding slash customer success journey like that side of things and Mm -hmm. we're building we're solving a lot of the same problems and then as you know like i launched or thought about launching into that notion space as well and so like we've really like intersected um on our paths but so but that's beside the point i was on this podcast it was interesting to be just like the the guest where people are asking you questions they prepared it was only ben like noah was not on the show and um and yeah he asked some great questions i realized i say you know a lot like (laughs) and like i say like and you know i've probably said it so much in this podcast already that it's it drives me crazy but i'm a massive offender for like and it frustrates me so much (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah but if you um want to go hear me you know say like and you know on another podcast then check out product journey we'll link it up um yeah yeah i think that's I, um, it for me i'm thinking as you say this that basically i need an app on my desktop that my audio is feeding into that is a like and an um mm. counter so that during the podcast i can really just see how much i'm offending um however i often always also say i feel like so i don't know if i should change that to i feel as though just to uh you know, keep the <laughs> counter under under control but uh i that's- think uh, sorry i think it's like there uh there is another <laughs> like yeah <laughs> i was t- i was telling this to gabby too and she was saying that she also says like a lot but it's in that way that you were describing of like, I feel like this. I'm like, no, that is actually like the right use of like. Yeah. It's when I just say like in between two disparate words that like, I don't know. It just like shouldn't be there. Our generation. So. I was. Oh, my gosh. This is so hard now to speak. Our generation <laughs> yeah. often, I feel, uses it as um, the filler word as opposed to using um 
which I think was more prevalently used by maybe the generation above us. And then mm-hmm. we really started using like a lot as the pause word. It's it's essentially just when you're trying to get to your next word. It's just a filler, right? Yeah, and I've taken a presentations class where I learned not to use this word like <laughs> <laughs> This is too funny now. Yeah, it's like when they say like don't think about your breathing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's all you could think about. You're like, am I dying? I remember being in oh, a boy. grocery store a couple of years ago and some elderly man called me out for this and I was so offended. <laughs> Just No way. Because I was, I was really in the depths of telling some story that I was very excited about to Diego. So, <laughs> you know, when you're, you're just go, 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 like talking really quickly, then you absolutely are not thinking about filler words. And then this old man just turned around and he said something super condescending along the lines of, I wonder if you could tell that story without saying the word like, like if you're capable. <laughs> and I was just so taken aback by this gentleman. I think Cut it's still, to the core of you. Yeah, it's still... <laughs> Some it's, random guy in the grocery aisle getting his zucchinis is just roasting you instead of his in vegetables. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I mean, I can, uh, can kind of take it from here with some updates then so please (laughs) i can't talk anymore but now i feel i feel as though uh this is just a horrible way to start it off because i'm now having so much trouble saying words trying to think about not saying like uh i don't know if anyone will find this as funny as we do right now but um it's okay (laughs) so a couple interesting cool things so i've mentioned before the podcast um I guess probably a while back, but I did a hackathon at work a while back on um, getting an Accelerate Metrics dashboard up and running at our organization. Uh, again, Accelerate Metrics, for anyone who is not aware, are DevOps metrics, which are supposed to be indicators of quality and speed of mm-hmm. uh, development teams. And so um, we had the intention, a group of us, of actually finishing out this MVP and launching it uh, org wide, but we're all the three of us who really remained as the core team, one of them being Diego and one of them being um, an individual who's a QA engineer at the organization. We're all on different teams. So it kept being kind of difficult to find the right times to prioritize this above our other work priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we did the past, like before the break, and then also just a couple of weeks ago was we just did a couple full on kind of hackathon days to, to finish at the MVP. Um, so essentially, uh, Diego was working on the API side of things. Our other teammate, uh, was working on authentication and then I was, uh, working on the dashboard. So it was a really good kind of mix of skills to bring together. And so we finished that kind of the end of, of last week, I guess. Um, so I'm pretty excited. It's basically just an API that people can send their metrics to and it funnels into, uh, Google Data Studio. So it's pretty simple for an MVP. But um, yeah, it was cool to do something outside of uh, my day-to-day uh, kind of coaching work, something that's just a little more hands-on. Not that coaching's not hands-on, it's just in a different way. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing kind of a, a demo of that this week and hopefully start onboarding to that, onboarding people to that. So I'm excited about that. That's really cool. Yeah, when, when you mentioned that, like since you've mentioned that a, a while ago, I've definitely thought about it several times. I'm like, that is a pretty good like business idea in itself. Just being able to, you know, present an API that people can 
add their their metrics to and and kind of because it's already a known system like this accelerate um system and so if you can find ways to like hook into that easily through your i don't know github and stuff like that then you're yeah it would just be really cool that's awesome i'm I'm excited to hear like how it goes and how it, it progresses as more people start using it and like obviously have requests for um improving it and such yeah i think that's the thing it was very much a thing that People were really excited about Accelerate Metrics, but we're trying to understand, is there actually going to be genuine demand for this? Are people going to take the time out of their other product work to, to, you know, build these, what we're calling recipes, but essentially scripts that are going to send the data Mm -hmm. to the, are people going to actually do it? So we kind of just decided, okay, let's just get this bare, bare bones MVP at the door. And then from there, based on demand, we'll decide how much more of our, our kind of, how much more input we'll put into it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, that will be interesting to see people's feedback this week because um, I haven't done anything like that at Ecobee yet. So I'm excited about that. It's cool launching these mini products internally because you get this built-in audience set yeah. that you can do demos to. And, you know, it's kind of just these, it's like a mini incubator that you get to work on um, practicing like you know, how to build out an MVP, but also like how to how to market it and get internal users and stakeholders and it kind of prepares you a bit in the entrepreneurial sense too um to what you might do in your own business as well yeah it's uh it's interesting and i feel like it's something that i actually do a lot in my job but not necessarily with technical products and more with like this this is a great process for teams who are trying to do x or this Mm. is a great session that should be facilitated for teams who are trying to do y and actually like running those things and relying on word of mouth, but also pitching it to people and facilitating them. So yeah, it's, uh, it's always nice to, to operate in a space where you have some like recognition and relationships and things like that too. And yeah, I would say stakes are a little bit lower than launching things externally to large audiences. So it's interesting though, because all that that you're describing is basically marketing Mm-hmm. you know bu- you're building trust with an audience and that trust accumulates over time through multiple projects or the teams that you've worked in and you know just how you are conveying the messaging and and all that it's you know a lot of that that comes down to like what just getting people to believe in you and trust you that as a as a person or yeah. like as as what you're doing and like the messaging i, I think that you know, translates far beyond just, um, just, I don't know. It, it, it's like, this is marketing as a whole. It's yes. not just in this little uh, ecosystem. And so if you can figure it out in any capacity, I think you can find ways to scale it. It won't always yeah. be the same channel, <laughs> obviously, but, um, but you kind of can apply the same principles. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how even client relations and relationship buildings wholly applies to when you're just working internally with teams as well. Um, cause I don't mm-hmm. work with really any external clients at this point, but I have in the past and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, the past couple of weeks have been pretty busy because I also joined a new team at work in terms of joining them as a coach. Uh, so I joined your old team, uh, which is our dot <laughs> com, our corporate, website team or our digital our digital team so 
I'm super excited about that. They're a really, they're still a really cool group of people, um, despite you leaving. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so because of me leaving. <laughs> so I, um, it's it's always interesting joining a new team because not only is it kind of getting ramped up with the team members and everything that's going on in their space, um, also understanding their product and all of the work that they do, and and different teams have very different uh, struggles. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really just at the point right now where it's shadowing and sitting down with everyone one-on-one to get an idea of where their heads are at, what's been working for them, what's upcoming. Um, Their PM is also going on mat leave. So it's like a pretty big period of transition where she's departing. I'm coming in a new PM is coming in um, and we will have to figure out how to um, maintain some level of, uh, of, of sanity and also figure out, uh, you know, how and where we can make improvements over time. So anyways, it's always an interesting period joining uh, a new team and seeing um, if they could use my help or not. Yeah. What you said about just different teams having different struggles. You must see that all the time because I know that, yeah, what that team when I was on it, I mean, even what that team had when I was on it is probably completely different challenges than it has now because those evolve over time. But then there are some that are kind of just absolutes of you know maybe they one team serves many stakeholders or one team just serves one big stakeholder and you know uh, there's just like way different approaches to i'm sure how you want to facilitate those yeah i think it's like it's like you know uh a product team where they're working on like let's say a SaaS product their struggles are going to be quite different than maybe like a like a consumer website who's like more constantly interfacing with like a marketing team that's supporting like efforts across the entire organization um yeah or like a data team too i noticed this recent like on the contract i'm working on right now is kind of you know these i don't know what you would even call that uh like a a cost center no maybe maybe not i don't know it's like an internal um team that you can reach out to instead of like the traditional product team that has a designer devs and all this, like you don't usually embed, uh, sometimes you embed a DevOps person, but you don't usually embed like an analytics person and, uh, content writer. Well, maybe you would in that sense, you know, but it's like like those types of things. Yeah. It's service teams. Yeah. And so like how much of that do you go from one end of the spectrum to the other? And some, some teams really are service teams to, many different internal clients and it presents huge challenges yeah. um, in it, in its own right compared to a product team that might be so insulated for the most part. Yeah. And I, I've, I've found a lot working at a larger organization that like in theory or in best practices, there's so many things that you'd want to change at a higher level so that people were operating like completely fundamentally differently. But a lot of times, especially some teams that I've joined for maybe shorter periods of times for smaller requests, it's like, okay, you know, let's take a look at the world that we're living at in right now. There are optimizations that we can make in this space as it is. So let's start with those first so that we can like learn what those are, experiment with actually experimenting and and be confident that we can we can make those types of changes and adjustments before we try to like start moving those up to burn it all down levels and all that kind of stuff pardon me <laughs> like before you burn it all down and yeah. like you know just start from new foundation again yeah like, and i know some people more have that approach of let's rip it down and just 
do what's exactly right or what's exactly seen as best practice. Um, I'm a much, I have a much more incremental approach uh, in terms of helping people get uh, to where they want to be because I just, I find it really depends on the team, but not all teams are good with kind of the, the big bang type changes. So I kind of um, like the idea of like, of thinking about what would the ideal scenario be? Yeah. And then, you know, it gives you the chance to play in that playground a bit and then, and then come back to reality and say, okay, but where are we now? And like, what yeah. are the two steps we can take to getting a little bit closer there? Or, but sometimes those don't make sense because to sometimes it doesn't make, you can't get there in just incremental steps. You would have to burn it all down. And so what you really want to do is improve the process that you're currently in like you're saying of let's make this better first. Um, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, and I think you make a good point of like exploring the ideal situation because then you can also start articulating, you know, what's in, what's in our way, what's stopping us from getting there and then start to try to understand of those things, how much of them, how much of those things can we actually change or get closer to ideal state? Um, mm -hmm. Because there's always going to be certain things within an organization that, ideally you would want to change but for whatever reason whether it's external stakeholders or or like legacy contracts or promises there's certain things that we can't always change um so it's being mindful of that as well mm -hmm. but um yeah i think those are that's kind of the the two big things that's been going on with me i haven't really found much time to do project work outside of uh work in the past couple of weeks to be honest i've i felt pretty exhausted so i'm trying not to um burn myself out yeah, totally. I I hear you there. I I feel lucky that I'm, you know, only doing the two and a half days right now cuz by the end of the week I'm like pretty exhausted uh, yeah. already. So. Yeah, I saw and also, yeah, I feel like I saw someone tweet yesterday like how is everyone not just entirely exhausted throughout this pandemic? And I think it comes down to like just how people manage the stress of this whole situation differently. Yeah. Um, maybe like I, I, I've been like deaf. I'm definitely the kind that's like, Oh man, the world is crazy messed up right now. <laughs> I, I'm going to just go into a hole, like a work hole and like, you know, shield myself from it. Um, yeah. And I think that's pretty common. And then I think some people end up on the, on the other side of it as well. Um, Kaylin here, we just had some internet issues, so we're just going to wrap it up on that note, but thanks so much to anyone uh, who has taken the time to listen this week, and if you're looking for us, you can find us on Twitter at WorkPals. See you later. Bye.